Well, man, it is good to be here. Uh, I was so glad that I got dress-up day as opposed to last week. Eric had a tacky, tacky dress-up day, so sorry about that. Uh, it was funny. I was telling my mom uh, that I was speaking this morning, and uh, I kind of grew up in a, in a Southern Baptist church, kind of traditional. Uh, you kind of dressed up. And uh, as I got older, I really stopped liking that, stopped liking the suit and the slacks and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, she thought it was ironic that now that I'm speaking, it was dress-up day, so I was wearing a suit again. So uh, I took the coat off. By the way, I've spoken to several of you, and apparently all, the only dress-up clothes most of us have are the ones that we got for a wedding or for a, for a funeral. I think four or five of us already have. This is our wedding clothes. So uh, we don't dress up very often, uh, at least I don't. Um, I, I kind of want to start and tell you just a little bit about myself. Um, many of you do not know who I am at all, and, uh, and I don't know you either because there's, there's several guests today. Uh, and that's awesome. Uh, my name is Chris. My wife and I, my wife Justin, uh, with the great singer. Um, and when I taught her how to sing, I did not know that she was going to get so good <laughs> back in the day. We moved here uh, last May, uh, and we, we moved on to campus to NOBTS, New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, over near New Orleans East in Gentilly. We moved here last May, uh, live on campus right now still. My, my profession is I'm a full-time student at the moment. So my wife back there is the bread maker, making all the money. Um, so yeah, I'm full-time students. So that's what I'm doing during, during the week. Um, we both were from South Carolina. Uh, we, uh, we both worked at the same church. I worked in, the, in a large youth ministry uh, as the junior high minister. So uh, I was all about dealing with 7th and 8th graders. Uh, we had about uh, 80 of them. And uh, that was a fun few years, about three years. She worked there as a graphic designer and, and photographer kind of thing. Uh, it was a large church. And the Lord really laid it on our heart uh, for me to come down and finish school. Um, we, we had been there for, for several years, and he really laid it on our hearts to, to kind of take a leap of faith, to step out. Uh, we, we had never, obviously, together lived anywhere else. Uh, we've, we've only been married since uh, May of 2010. And so it was a nice anniversary present, one-year anniversary. We, instead of going on a little trip, we moved. So we moved down here last May. We're, we're just getting used to it. This is our first Mardi Gras, uh, so as everyone's... Getting excited, we're, we're still trying to figure out what that is, and do I need to be excited about it? Uh, so we're working through that. Uh, I, do, I, do, I do hear I need to go get some shoes that are thrown out in one of the parades. Um, so the muses, okay, yes, that, that's correct, yeah. All right, well, so let's jump right in. Um, last week, uh, for those of you who are here, Eric spoke and we talked about relationships, mainly uh, marital relationships, husband, wife, the, the kind of the roles that we have roles that God established. Uh, this week we're really springboarding right off that and jumping into kind of how Jesus Christ leads us in our relationships, whether marriage or whether other relationships. Now as a demonstration I used to do with my youth, I would always, I'd always get up front and I would say, all right, every, raise your hand if you're in a relationship. And of course they're like, oh my gosh. I, either they're proud or they're scared. And uh, every time I did that I would say, you know, it's, we consider relationships uh, most of the time to just be a couple, you're dating, you're going out, you know, you're married. When realistically, we're in relationships with a lot of people, a lot of different ways. Um, and I would say, and I want to get to this, as the Bible teaches in, in John, that we are to love one another. Uh, the greatest commandments, God says, the first one is to love God, and the second one is to love people. So I kind of want to preface where we're going today with our goal for any relationship is love. Now, I love my mom, I love my wife. I love my friends. I love my brother. I love pizza. 
Okay, we love a lot of things when we have relationships. I have an unhealthy relationship with pizza, maybe. We're going to look at how we have healthy relationships. But we, we, uh, the goal here for any relationship is love. And so I want, I want to lay that down as, as where we're headed. A healthy relationship, you want to have love. Now, there's different types of love. In the Greek, in the New Testament, they had all sorts of words for love. In, in, in English, we got one. I love my wife, I love my mom, I love pizza. We say the same word, but the goal for any relationship is love. So the three things we looked at last week, I kind of want to point them out in case you weren't here. We learned three things. The first is that sin has ruined our relationships. Sin has ruined our relationships. We looked in Genesis, Adam and Eve sinned. God had to come down. He laid out some ground rules. First it said for the, 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 the woman is going to have pain in childbirth. Sorry. For the man, he's going to have to work the land, sweat from his brow to make a living. I don't know if that's as tough as childbirth. We'll, we'll find out. We'll have to talk to God when we get to heaven about that one. And so that's, that, that's the two main things. The third one essentially is that we all die. The, the result of sin, as we, learn, as we learn in Romans, is death. Trees die, we die. Everything in this earth has a season, it comes and it goes. And that is the result of sin. The next two things we learned are the, kind of the roles that God set up for husband and wife. And we learned last week, wives are to submit unto the Lord, submit unto your husband. And I wrote that down in two separate ways. Lovingly out of joy and joyfully out of love. It's kind of a cycle. Uh, and essentially what that means is it's not a burden. It's not something that you're like, ah, because you have the same goal, you have the same mindset, you want the same things. Now for the husband, he set up the uh, different rules here. It says, husbands, you are to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, there's not, a, there's not a tougher example we have there, guys. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. He is the ultimate, ultimate example we have in love of showing how to love someone. And the two ways we, we learned that is about sacrifice, if someone is to do without. Uh, Eric had a great example last week. The, the first one that popped into my head was on the movie Titanic. When they started sinking, they, they said, women and children, come on. What about the guys? You know, we, we, we have to take the sacrifice. If someone, if someone is to do without, if someone is to have without, it's going to be the guy first. That's the way God set it up. Also, we're to sacrifice, and also we're to love our wives as we love ourselves. That's the other verse we see in Ephesians. And essentially, uh, the way we need to love ourselves, it tells us in Philippians, is to treat others better than ourselves. And as we look into love, as we go into Corinthians soon in a minute, we're going to see that the, one of the main things that love is, is a humbleness. It puts others first. And it makes others more important than ourselves. And that is the goal for any relationship, to love others and to put others first. So, how do we apply these truths that we learned last week into this week? I wrote down four things um, that, I, that I want to get to. I've, had a, a, I've been coughing for like three weeks. And uh, so if it hits me, I'm sorry. Uh, the, the, the goal is love, and there's three things that are going to get us to love. And these are the ones I want to talk about, and I'm going to briefly describe them and briefly describe what they're not. Uh, the first I would say is forgiveness. Now, I'll say forgiveness is first. This, this is more of a, a, a church word, a churchy word. You may have heard this uh, more in church than you have in, in the secular world, more than the next two. Forgiveness is essential in any relationship. For you to, for you to have a successful, a healthy relationship, to go somewhere, you're going to have to have forgiveness in your heart. You're going to have to be able to forgive the other person. Now, why is that? It's because, as we learned last week, we start with sin. That's where you got a sinful person and a sinful person coming together for a relationship. Something's going wrong. Someone, someone's doing something they're not supposed to do, saying something they're not supposed to say. Bad things happen in a relationship all the time. I can testify to that. Most of you can too. So without forgiveness, that relationship's going to fizzle. And what I would say is we don't understand forgiveness truly 
I think many times it, it's not just holding, it's, it's not holding a grudge. Many times in forgiveness, I would say that maybe my, my wife would do something to me, and I'd oh, yeah, I forgive you, I forgive you. And then, and then a week later, she says, hey, you mind, you mind doing this for me? What's the first thing that pops in my head? Well, what about, what about what you did here? We think back. We hold a grudge. It's natural for us, but it's what we do. I would say true forgiveness is, is being able to look at someone who has done you wrong as if they had not done that thing. And that's, that's hard to do. That's very, it's a very challenging thing, but true forgiveness is being able to look at someone who has done you wrong as if they had not done that, which is what we'll see in a minute is how Christ looks at us. The second thing I put was trust. This is less of a churchy word. Uh, it's very essential. You may see a, a cute guy or a cute girl and, and how I want to have a relationship with them, but what's the first thing that may stop you? I don't, I don't trust them. I don't trust them. It's a thing that's a deal breaker. It either... It either ends relationships that have started or, or it stops relationships from even starting. If you don't trust someone, you cannot have a relationship with them. And it can be healthy, which, is, which as we're going to, the goal of a healthy relationship is love. Uh, Jess and I dated um, for about five years, five and a half years, uh, before we got married. That's a long time, I know. And, you know, when we, ha- when we had our uh, all our bridal showers and, or not bridal showers, wedding showers and all that kind of stuff, most of the, most of the people I heard from said, hey, about time, finally, good job, waited long enough, that was for my parents mostly. As we dated, uh, for, for four years, she was at college, and I was at home, and it was about an hour apart, and that was a very difficult time, and that, that, that was one of the one times where we really felt tested to trust one another, to have trust. Because we're not, we're not with each other every, every, every second. And just how we're not, we're not holding our, our, our relationship, our loved one's hand all the time, we have to trust them. And I would say trust, it builds on forgiveness. If you cannot forgive them, essentially you're not going to trust them. These things build on one another, and it's essential to any relationship. First, forgiveness, because we start with sin. That's where we start. Second, trust. Third thing I put is joy. Now, I want to I elaborate on joy here. Joy is not just happiness, okay? Joy is more than happiness. I was happy that the Giants won the Super Bowl. Sorry if you're a Pats fan. I'm happy that I had dress-up day instead of tacky day, okay? I'm happy for a lot of things, and happy is just a feeling that you get. It's kind of nice, a little warm, fuzzy. Joy is a much deeper thing that lasts much longer. It's not just a feeling. It's a, it's a comfort. It's a happiness that's, that, that, that's deeply rooted, if you don't have joy in a relationship with someone, if you, if you can forgive them, and if you trust them, but you're just not, you just don't have joy in your heart when you're with them, that relationship's not going to last either. That's going to just be someone that you knew once, and you're going to move on. So I say these three things that are, are very important to, to any relationship lead to love, which is our goal. So the scripture we're looking at today uh, is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you want to get your Bibles out, there, there's some out in the aisle if you need. We'll also have it up on the screen. Now, I broke this into two categories. The second category we're going to get to in a minute is one that if you've ever been to a wedding, you may have heard this verse read. It's kind of called the love chapter, and most of the time when you go to a wedding, that's what they read, and you're like, oh, yeah. We're going to be talking about that this morning. Let me read the first part. This is the part that's kind of skipped over several times. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, 
And if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now let's stop there. I'm reading from the ESV. It may be a little different from what you're reading. Um, I want to I preface what I'm going to say with all these things that are listed are good. These are great things that the Bible speaks highly of that we're encouraged to do. Okay, some, uh, some of them, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but they're all, they're all good things. I just want to preface saying that. But it compares them to love, which essentially is the greatest of them all. The first one we see is speaking in tongues. Now, that's a, a, hot, a hot topic. We're not going to go all the way into speaking tongues. Uh, some people think you can, people still speak in tongues. Some people think you don't do that anymore. That's a gift that ended. We're not going to jump into that. But at this time, when Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, essentially what speaking in tongues was, was that after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, I may get, maybe getting deep here. When Pentecost happened, the Holy Spirit came down. He empowered several Christians, several hundred of them, to speak in different languages to proclaim the gospel to people that were around, that were people that had visited in to the city, okay? So speaking in tongues at that point was being able to speak a different language. If I could come down here and someone spoke French and I was, I was able to speak in French to tell them about Jesus, that's essentially what that was. Okay, it goes a lot deeper and there's different instances. Essentially, that's what speaking in tongues is. But yet it says, speaking in tongues, not as important as love. Second one we see in there is prophetic powers. Now, I want to tell you two things about a prophet. Most of us understand one main thing about a prophet, and, is that, and that's that they tell the future. Okay? A prophet is going to come and tell you what's going to happen. A prophet actually does two things. Prophet, what you're, what you're familiar with probably is foretelling. God told me that if you don't do this, this is going to happen. If you don't repent or if you don't whatever, I'm going to do this, a future thing. Okay, also, the other thing that a prophet does, mainly even more than that, is foretelling, which is essentially what, I, what I'm doing right now, what Jason does every, every week, proclaiming God's truth, just, just telling people what God is saying. And hopefully, hopefully this year that we're looking at today is not something from me, it's not something from Chris, it's something from God. So, so, so proclaiming God's truth essentially is what prophets do. Yet here it says, as Paul writes, prophesying. Not as important as love. Now, the third one's interesting. The third one jumps in. It says, understanding all mystery and all knowledge. Some translations say understanding the mysteries of the universe. But it says knowledge. Now, knowledge is important when in our day and age today, in our society, the computer age, we have the scientific revolution. The way technology has come today, our, our entire goal, it seems like, is, is knowledge, is understanding things. The goal for anyone, it seems, you've got to go to school and get smarter. You've got to do this to understand. It's all about knowing. It's about head knowledge. I'd say in Scripture, it even says the devil and his angels, the demons, know who Jesus is. They have that knowledge. And they even shudder at his name because they understand his power. They have knowledge of his power, yet they don't follow Christ. So essentially, having knowledge is not a key part of salvation. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. The knowledge we have of Christ, knowing of him, is not enough. I believe that's what Paul's saying. But having all knowledge and all mystery, if someone was, was able to come up here and, and write out on the board Einstein's theory of relativity, E equals mc squared, explain it all out simply for all of us to understand. Even Jason could understand it. If someone could do that, explain it so good, that would be awesome, yet it is not as important, it is not as valuable as just simply loving one another. Which is, which is opposite of what we, what we learned today, opposite of what we are told today. The next three, let me move real quick. Faith, the, the, the chapter ends, we're not going to get to it. Faith, hope, and love abide, uh, but the greatest is love. 
faith is a mighty tool that we're given, given by God that we are to trust in Him, allowing, and as Jason t- tells us every week, faith is like trust. It's the same kind of thing, same kind of thought. Awesome quality. It's an awesome thing to have, awesome thing to do, to place faith in something, to place faith in Christ, maybe to place faith in a, in a relationship, in a person that you have a relationship with, whether mother, son, brother, cousin, wife, husband. But it's not as important as love. To trust them is not as important as love. It's, it can lead to it, but it's not as valuable. Last two here, to give everything away. I, I would like to say there, there's, there's tons of charitable organizations out there. Tons of them. Most of them are not even through churches. They're just, we're going to save the whales, we're going to save whatever. Uh, I don't know why all the, the whales always pops in the head first. And these things are, are, are good. They're valuable. Yet done out of any other reason than love, and I'm not saying there's people that don't love the whales. So they love the whales and they're giving money to the whales. I mean, that's not, that's, that's not me as much. I like whales fine. <laughs> to have a charity or to give anything apart from love or not out of love is foolish. And it's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. The last one that says to be burned, some, some translations uh, say to give your life. Some people translate that as just being uh, persecuted, being harmed, burned without dying. Um, soldiers in Iraq, soldiers in Afghanistan may give their life. Maybe for a love of country. Maybe for a love of a, of a brother that's out there with them. And, that, and, and, and doing that out of love is the ultimate sacrifice. It tells us that in Scripture. Greater love has no man that he lay down his life for his friend. To essentially that points back to Jesus. All these things are awesome. They are good. But they do not compare to simply loving one another. When Christ was able to sum up the Ten Commandments in two things, he said, love God, love people. Now the second part of this verse, let me read through. Let's speed up a hair here. Verse 4 through 7. Love is patient. This is what you've heard at the wedding. or heard at a, maybe even in a movie. I think it was even on that video. It said love is patient. It's a very popular phrase. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, it will pass away. Essentially, it goes back into talking about the first part. This is very interesting. It lists tons of things uh, that you can see in Scripture. You may be able to see behind me. It lists tons of things that love is and love is not. Essentially, it's telling us what love is. If If it says it's not this, that means it's the opposite. And I broke these down into two main categories. The first being uh, humble. The first being humble or not proud. And the most of these are in here. Let me, let me read all these out. Not boastful or envious, not arrogant or rude, not insisting on your own way, not irritable or resentful, not happy and wrongdoing. All of these things, and again, the Bible could have used all sorts of things to describe love. And there's many other verses that describe love also. This one here that Paul writes lists each of these things because the church at Corinth if you, want to think, if you want to have a good example of a church nowadays, maybe think about the church at Corinth. There was a lot of problems, a lot of things that were messed up. It was kind of in a city, and a lot of things they had started to do wrong in the church. And so Paul's writing here saying, all these things are good that, that you're doing. You're missing out on the main part, and that's to love one another. And so the best way to love one another is to place others' needs above yourself. All of those things that we read out, about not being boastful or arrogant or insisting on your own way, 
They're all about putting someone else's needs first. And that is what we struggle with mostly in life, is putting someone else's needs above our own. That is what our culture is not taught. That is what, it, which is inside of us, it, it feels unnatural. Because naturally we're selfish, and we want what's best for us. Before someone else, it's always about look out for number one, and then you can help someone else. And the Bible says, you know what? Let's flip that. You are less important than others. And when everyone follows that, people are placing you above themselves, and it all works out. Just like we learned wives are just submitted to your husbands. Well, husbands are supposed to love your wife in a way as to put her above yourself. So essentially, you both want the same thing. You're both going after the same goal, and it's a system that God set up. The other category I put them in is enduring or not fragile, uh, and that's patient, which essentially what patient means is long-suffering, being able to withstand. If someone does you wrong and you're patient with them, and then they do you wrong again and then you're patient with them, and then maybe they do you wrong again and you're patient, it's an enduring quality. It's something that's long-lasting. The others are pretty self-explanatory. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love is never ending. Love is something that is very enduring and it's long-lasting. And when you have it, it lasts a lifetime. You hear that in marriage, uh, till death do us part. And yet most of the time, it, it seems until you disagree at something. Until you have a hard time, until you have a struggle. That's not what biblical love is. The last category I put is just positive. Uh, good or positive, that's love is kind and love rejoices with the truth. So we learn all these things, we understand what love is, uh, and we read this in Scripture. So why then are so many relationships failing today? Why then the problems? Why then the divorce rate so high? Uh, marital abuse, domestic violence, why are these things so high? Parents wanting to divorce themselves from their children. All sorts of things that out today and age that don't show love, which again is the goal for any relationship. I know I've said that about ten times. I really want that to stick. The goal of any relationship is love. There's different kinds of love. The goal for my relationship with my mom is love. Same way with my wife. It's a different kind of love, but that's the goal. I want us to get that. I wonder if you have, turn within your, me in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse 18 and 19. Again, it'll be on the screen. I want to preface with what's going to happen here. This is kind of going to answer the question uh, of what our problem is as humans. Uh, the Pharisees and the scribes at this point, uh, th those may be big churchy words to you. These are teachers of the law. These are, these are Jewish men that understood the law very well. Okay, and essentially, these are the people that are going to end up persecuting Jesus, killing Jesus. Uh, these are the people that want to have him arrested, these Pharisees and these scribes. Okay? Because Jesus came in and started teaching all these different things. At the time, they were very radical. You were supposed to do all these things. And now the, the tradition here, for thousands of years, the Jewish people had to eat certain things, or they couldn't eat certain things. They, had to, they had to, couldn't go certain places. Okay, they had to wash their hands at certain times. It was all about being ritually clean. Now, okay, it may seem odd to us at this point in age, at this point in time, but at that time, that was the norm. You had to wash your hands right, you couldn't go to a certain place because you get unclean. You couldn't eat certain things because it would make you unclean. And the strict, the strict day, rule of the day back then is you could be killed if you were unclean and you were in the wrong place. You could be killed. It was very serious. And so they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, what defiles a person? Essentially, what makes a person unclean? 
This is what Jesus says. Let me read Matthew uh, 18. Uh, He says, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Jesus said, "It's it's not what you put in your mouth. It's not what you eat. It's not what goes in. It's what comes out. What comes out is what defiles you. What comes out of your mouth is what defines you. And let me tell you where that comes from, your heart, as we see in verse 18. What comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. You know what, really? A lot of times what you say, what slips out, is what's right in your heart. And it tells us these things that are in our hearts. Evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. You may say, I've never committed adultery. I've never done that. Christ said, if you were to look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. I've never murdered anyone. If you look at a man with hate in your heart, you've already murdered him in your heart. These are the things Jesus taught. And so our problem as humans is that deep down within, we're sinful. Just as we learned last week, sin is, is all up inside us, and we can't fix it, and we can't solve it, and it's ruining our relationships. We want to love one another. We want to get to this place of love, but we can't. We cannot. We've come up with so many definitions of what love is in our culture, and they are all incorrect. We see, great example last week, the Twilight movie. All these things that we see are incorrect definitions of what love is. We're fed up with infatuation, with pornography, with all sorts of things that the world says, this is love, this is what you should love, this is how love is, this is how love works. And the Bible says, no, you love is to put someone above yourself. Love is to treat someone as better than you. Love is humble, and love is never-ending. And then we see the problem is Jesus is saying, well, this is, what, this is why we have the problem, because sin flows from our hearts. Sin is rooted in our hearts, and we were born with it. We got it after Adam sinned, and it is something that we do. We're sinners by nature, and we're sinners by choice. Many times you look at a person, a lost person, and say, hey, why don't this person, why don't this person come to know Jesus? Why don't, don't, don't they understand? Don't they get it? As we, as we looked at earlier, knowledge is, it's not about knowledge. Why wouldn't someone want to go to heaven? Why wouldn't someone go to heaven instead of hell? Seems kind of seems silly. Why don't they want to do that? Why don't they want to just follow Jesus? What's wrong with that? The number one problem with that is because to follow Jesus, you have to repent of your sin. You have to turn away from your sin. And we as humans love our sin. That is well essentially what we love. We love to sin. Now we don't say it that way. It's such a, it's such a churchy word. But we love to put ourselves first. We love to worship ourselves, essentially. Whatever we want, our desires, we place first. It's not about God or anyone else. That's, that's how we are. Um, in Ezekiel, now many of you may not have been to Ezekiel recently. In Ezekiel, God, God really demonstrates through his, through his servant Ezekiel, tell, talking to his people, essentially how to fix the problem. This is what's going to happen. And so this is our answer here. This is where we're getting It says from verse 26 to 28. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Let me say it. Many times in Scripture we hear flesh and we think bad, like fleshly desires or or the sin of the flesh. It's talking about good. This this is good here. I will remove the heart of stone, a calloused, hardened heart that, that is opposed to what God wants and for the sin that we have in our lives. Again, when we think about it, it's like, why wouldn't someone want to go to heaven and follow Jesus? Well, it's because they want their sin more. That's where we are. We want our sin more. It says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. 
and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land I gave your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. The only fix for the problem that we have, the only solution to fix, to fix for our relationships, to fix essentially ourselves, our own lives, to fix this world, the only solution is through Jesus Christ. That is the only fix. That is the only thing that can save us. God says, I'll come down and I'll take your hardened heart out. We have to have a change of heart. And that only comes through putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We learn four things uh, that relationships need. Forgiveness, trust, joy, and then love is the result. Outside of Jesus Christ, we don't understand any of those fully. Forgiveness. Until we really understand the forgiveness that God has given us, the, the evil things that we have done to hurt God, Nowadays in church, that's played down so much. We don't, we don't understand how much we hurt God when we sin. For God to forgive us, you know what he had to do? He had to kill his own son. He had to kill Jesus Christ to save us. That's how much, that should tell us not how, how much that he values us. It tells us how much he hated sin. God hated sin so much. And it's all up in us. He had to kill his own son. His own son had to sacrifice his life through love for us. Until we understand that forgiveness that, we have, that has been given to us, that we can receive, until we understand that forgiveness, we can never really forgive people here on earth the same way. We can't look at it the same way. The small, minute thing they do to us means nothing anymore compared to what we've done to God. You have to put those in comparison. Trust. Christ said that whatever I do, I do of the Father. Uh, that is in heaven. Him and I are the same. God trusted Jesus to come down to earth and accomplish the whole mission, to live on this earth a perfect life, teaching about love and essentially dying at the end to save mankind. We don't understand trust apart from Jesus Christ. We can say I trust this person, but really what we're doing is putting our own kind of self-worth into that, our own kind of understanding of what trust is. And it's never fully realized outside of Jesus Christ. Joy. You hear all the time about Jesus needs to be your, uh, your Savior and your Lord. Two things. He saves you, that's your Savior, and He's your Lord, means you follow Him. And there's one thing that I think we miss sometimes, and it doesn't come naturally. And it's something sometimes we have to work on. Jesus Christ needs to be our treasure or our joy. I heard a sermon one time, and I'll just go through this real quick. The guy said, what, what makes you happy? What brings you joy? And someone may say, well, uh, you know, getting an A on a test, completing an assignment at work. Okay, why does that, why does that bring you joy? Well, you know, so I, I can get a good grade in the class or, uh, you know, just so I can, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of like, what, why is that a question? So I can get a good grade in class. Okay, well, why is that important? Well, you know, I've got to get good grades in college to so get a good GPA. Maybe I can get a good job uh, in the future. You know, get a good job. Okay, why is that important? Why does that bring you joy? Okay, well, I mean, the goal is to have a good job. I've got I to support my family. I've got I to do the right things uh, just to provide for them. It's kind of how I've been taught, you know, to, to provide for my family. Okay, why does that bring you joy? And you keep going down. And you can do this with anything. You've got to keep going down the layers of joy. And what you find at the bottom, what you should find, is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the root of all of our joy. 
It says that our joy is made complete in Him. I think it says that in James. Excuse me, it says that in 1 John 1, 4. Our joy is made complete in Christ. We never fully realize joy. We never fully realize the, the, the incredible joy that we can have outside of Jesus Christ. Outside of understanding the forgiveness He gave us. Once we understand that, joy, joy just flows. You understand, man, I've been saved and I deserve it. And the last thing, love. John 3.16, we hear a verse all the time, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That He so... Uh, wow, that was weird. My mind was... <laughs> For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. We read about love. The other verses I put on there is, Greater love hath no man than him. He lay down His life for His friend. I referenced that earlier. Essentially, that's talking about Jesus. And so the, 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 the way I want to end today, the way, the, where I want to get to... The goal for a relationship, as we've said, is love. We want to love one another. Now, we don't want to focus so much on our relationships that we have that are close. We maybe we want to focus more, step back, and realize that we are to love all people. Jesus said you're to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And they said, well, who's our neighbor? And he said, the Samaritan. And in that day, the Jews hated the Samaritans. So if you were to think in your mind of, of a person that you hate, that you do not like, that's who Jesus would use as your example of your neighbor. You need to love that person. It extends beyond our relationships into our, into our everyday life with everyone that we meet. We are the representation of Christ here on earth. He comes and he dwells inside of us. He saved us from our sin. He has forgiven us of our sin. We repented of it. We turn, we walk with him, and then we are to be the light of the world to show this world what that love is. The divorce rate in Christian households should not be as high as it is. And I believe it's because all these people do not understand truly what that love is. And that love is only realized in Jesus Christ. Maybe this week you need to, you need to sit down and, and evaluate yourself, evaluate the relationships that you're in, evaluate the people that you come in contact with each day. And do they see the love of Christ in you? Do they see it? Or do they see you? Do they know what your name is before they know who your God is? What do they see first? What do they know first? Are you about proclaiming yourself or are you about proclaiming Jesus Christ? As Christians, the goal is to proclaim Jesus Christ. And only through Him can we have a healthy, loving relationship with others. Only through Jesus Christ. He is the only one who teaches us what true love is. And He showed it to us on the cross. Pray with me. Father, we are so humbled by the love that You show us. Lord, we know that we don't deserve it. We know that you loved us despite ourselves. You loved us despite that we were sinners. Lord, what an awesome example that is for us to love one another and to treat others better than ourselves even when we don't feel like it's the, it's the right thing. Lord, as you said in Ezekiel, Lord, you come in and you change your heart. Lord, I pray that, that you would come down and that you would change people's hearts. Because, Lord, we cannot do it on our own. But we cannot save ourselves and we cannot change our own heart. We cannot change our own mind because essentially every time we go back down, there's sin there. Lord, you come in and you change our heart. And Lord, I pray that today that you would come down through your Holy Spirit and that you would change people's hearts. Lord, I pray that you would use us in this room as we go out into this world. That Lord, that we would help proclaim that good news, but that you might change others' hearts through us 
Lord, we are so humbled that you, that you choose to spread your gospel through us. Allow us to go into the world and proclaim your love. Lord, in each of the relationships that we have, Lord, I know people right now are picturing people that they are in relationships with, whether a serious husband and wife, whether a, a mother or a father, whether a children, Lord, whether just friends, or Lord, whether just coworkers. Lord, I pray that we would picture those people then, that we would strive each day to get better at loving them and showing the love that you have given us first. Because only through that can we really give out love. The love that you've given in, that you have put inside of us just overflows and allows us to love one another. Lord, we thank you for that love. We cannot thank you enough. Lord, we love you and we ask all these things together in your son's name. Amen.